Yeah. You already know what it is. It's back in the days. And if you're not already hip, this is a podcast where we we just go back and explore, you know? We unpack some of these memories, some of these experiences. Try to make some things make sense, you know? How did I get to where I am right now? 30 years old, filmmaker, living in Los Angeles, originally from the DMV. And, uh, I don't know, man. I, I just. I was talking to a friend recently. And I was explaining that this podcast was never supposed to be a. A public thing you know it was a, a very private project and I had a uh, one or two people who told me they felt like I should really share they felt like something like this was so impactful maybe could help other people who weren't necessarily going to therapy or have access to therapy to just kind of have a little catalyst moment you know and start their own self-process I really support all the love that I've gotten so far. I get messages all the time when people tell me, you know, man, I be crying listening to your podcast. Or, you know, I just really feel like it puts me in a space to reminisce, go back, think about my own family, think about healing, think about why I experienced the things I experienced. In their own words, of course. That's what it's all about more than anything never about ego I don't care about just hearing myself talk or anything like that it's really about doing the work and that's what I try to do every week when I sit down and do these things man I, I, I sit down off the late night when I record and uh, usually by the end of it I feel proud clear lighter you know this week in particular I was thinking about my love for film, you know. School started back up recently. Last week was my first week. Didn't get to go to class tonight. Had a little snafu. But, uh, man, what a blessing. To be in the best film school in the world. You just got to give it up to God sometimes, you know. But how did I get there? How did I get to the point where I love film so much? Because I eat, breathe, live shit. I, I die for this. <laughs> you know? And uh, I feel like my love for film has molded my creative being. You know? It's molded the way that I carry out my friendships. The way that I love so much of it is rooted in ideas that I've picked up along the way from different influences and a lot of those influences outside of books or film but is it always healthy I mean these are creative geniuses who are writing a lot of this stuff perfect scenarios textbook romance maybe that doesn't exist or maybe it does I don't know. Let's talk about it though. Let's figure it out. Let's unpack. This is back in the day. This episode is going to be called uh, (laughs) 
a blues for Nina. So why don't you go ahead and put on your seatbelt, sit back, relax, and ride with me. Alright, this is a little something I've been working on. It's new. I call it uh, a blues for Nina. Bonus points if you already know where we going with this. <laughs> oh, this nigga was smooth, goddamn. Watch my man work. Say, baby, can I be your slave? I've got to admit, girl, you're the shit girl. And I'm digging you like a grave. Now, do they call you daughter to the spinning pulsar, or maybe queen of 10,000 moons? Sister to the distant yet rising star. Is your name Yemiya? Let me just say for the record, this is one of my favorite movies. Oh, hell no. It's got to be Oshun. Is that a smile me put on your face, child? Wide as a field of jasmine and glover. Talk that talk, honey. Walk that walk, money. How on legs that I spanked Jehovah. <laughs> Shit. Who am I? It's not important. But they call me brother to the night. And right now, I'm the blues in your left thigh. Trying to become the funk in your right. Who am I? I'll be whoever you say. But right now, I'm the sight raped hunter, blindly pursuing you as my prey. And I just want to give you injections of sublime erections and get you to dance to my rhythm. Make you dream archetypes of black angels in flight upon wings of distorted, contorted, metaphoric jism. Fuck your, your man, man. I ain't worried about, about him. him. Huh? Talk it's to you him. who I want to step to my scene. Talk to him. Because rather than deal with the fallacy of this dry-ass reality, I'd rather dance and romance your sweet ass in a wet dream. Mm. <laughs> who am I? <laughs> well, they all call me brother, brother to, to the, the night. night. And right now, I'm the blues in your left thigh. Trying to become the funk in your Trying right. Trying to become the funk in your right. Come on now. Is that alright? What's up? Stop playing with my man, young. You gotta stop playing with him. <laughs> nah, but in all seriousness, man, that that's from Love Jones. If anybody didn't recognize, you you should have. Should have. It's classic. It's '90s black cinema, man. They don't make it like that no more. They don't. I mean, sure, that's a, a a beautiful little scene from the movie. They in the bar. The first introduction of a love story, you know? One that's so impactful that we still reference it today. Goddamn 20 years later, you know? <laughs> but... I'm telling you that that shit the representation of love on screen real black love 
gorgeous. Just black culture and lifestyle, you know. I took a black cinema course over the summer, um, this past summer out here at USC. And, um, you know, just looking at the history of of black representation in film is really honestly ridiculous and overwhelming. I mean, it was the first time I got an opportunity to see taking this class of course that you know uh the the craft of filmmaking in america at least you know is rooted in racism inherently you know um the very first major motion picture that like went crazy was the birth of a nation you know which was a fucking tale of the ku klux klan being heroes after they lost the you know after the confederacy lost and they they kind of reimagined history to make them these great white saviors of the south saving <laughs> saving them from the savage black men who were out to rape their women and <laughs> defile their neighborhoods i guess whatever the case may be you know i mean only representation we saw in the beginning was mammies and you know coons and motherfucking slaves and shit like that and then of course you know you get a little better down the line i mean there's uh still negative stereotypes but they were kind of positive negative stereotypes because they were complete opposite of what we were seeing in the beginning you know you get shit like black exploitation and that's where you get like the goddamn shafts and foxy browns and all of that type of stuff you know but it was still so over exaggerated, you know, it was like the superhero nigga who beats the bad guy with his dick, basically. <laughs> I mean, these is all things that just existed. But by the time that I was born, 91, you know, I feel like I was born in the golden age of black cinema. To be born in 91 meant that I had access to all of the 90s black renaissance in a time when it was relevant you know i remember and this is in television and in film really so i remember watching you know uh movies like brown sugar which is my absolute favorite movie of all time obviously we just heard a, a excerpt from love jones poetic justice the wood best man Breaking all the rules, you know, 2000 shit. Deliver us from Eva. The last holiday with Queen Latifah, you know. And uh, I mean, there's so many. It just goes on and on. Loving basketball, uh, juice, uh, boys in the hood, menace to society. And, and I mean, just a plethora of subjects, right? Like, it's one thing when you get the movies like Boys in the Hood, which is like the first time we're getting real good hood representation outside of like spike lee flicks you know we we know from previous episodes that spike lee was one of my favorite filmmakers growing up before uh i met him <laughs> but um you know just real representation real meaningful impactful messages that came from these films that resonated with me and made me feel like I could see how they related to not only my life and my thinking, but my community, you know, 
You can't watch Boys in the Hood in a segment about gentrification and, you know, not being afraid of our own people when he was afraid to go to Compton and all this other type of shit. And I mean, it's just so many different things. But it was like, you could understand it and relate to it in a way that was just completely and truly authentic. And the system of Hollywood and the studio system doesn't really cater to authenticity as much anymore as much as it does what's going to sell tickets. What's going to appeal to the audience? Let's adjust the stories to make it appeal to the audience rather than just tell a good, real, vulnerable, organic story. And I feel like for the time that I was growing up, so many of these movies and TV shows really got me there. You know, some of my favorite television shows growing up, you know, still a part of this black cinematic experience. Martin, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, Sister Sister, Moesha, The Parkers, Steve Harvey, Jamie Foxx Show, Bernie Mac Show, you know, Living Single, Half and Half one-on-one girlfriends my wife and kids you know what i'm saying like it just the list goes on and on and on and on come on man like we we had so much so many ways to be able to look at ourselves and it was so special because every family wasn't one way you know i, I remember there was a time towards the late 2000s i'm not gonna make this about shitting on Tyler Perry at all because you know I think Tyler Perry is repentant for his sins (laughs) but we all remember how Tyler Perry made his fortune you know but there was a time period when I remember he had three shows on television and each one of them was basically like the same show and over over and over again it was like mother was a crackhead family struggling single father light-skinned savior man (laughs) dark skin bad mom or some shit it's like oh my god it was so bad it was so bad (laughs) but I mean this this diversity that we get like the Bernie Mac show I've gone back and started watching that again in adulthood and when I tell it was funny as a kid because you know everybody you know my father loved Bernie Mac and you know all the kings of comedy and stuff like every older black man does really um but the show was so filled with like real life lessons like real fatherhood moments and in and, and the fact that bernie mac didn't care about making himself the butt of the fucking jokes like every episode to some extent started with him on some shit like I'm going to be, you know, Uncle Bernie, basically dad. I'm going to teach you a lesson about how things are supposed to be. And somehow the situation would always flip on his head and he was the one who needed to learn a lesson. But essentially it always made him a better father. It always made him a better parental figure, you know. And it was so vulnerable and innocent and real but authentic to the black experience i swear i i I don't think it gets enough credit it really doesn't you know i mean of course 
preceding that was things like Martin and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Just seeing Martin and seeing those representations of love. Martin and Gina just all the crazy antics they would get into but they they rode for each other man they really 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 loved each other and and you know some people could say well that's not realistic like couples have real issues with each other they have real issues but it's just like you could tell at the end of the day they were for each other they were on the same team at all times and that's beautiful to see if you just don't see that so often in your communities you know growing up all the way up until now shit i don't know anybody whose parents are still together for the most part you know very few people whose parents are, are still married and together and stayed that way or whatever the case may be you know so i know growing up there was so many of us who probably had similar circumstances where their parents either never were together or were getting divorced or had gotten divorced or whatever and and just to see that representation makes all the difference in the world it's like man i want my girl to be my best friend i want her to ride for me like gina rides for me or rides for martin (laughs) not rides for me but rides for martin you know same with freaking uh you know fresh prince of bel-air being that outcast kid like you don't have to be we have blended families all the time you know stepfathers and all this other type of stuff and and, and troubled kids and you know kids just trying to figure this shit out and I feel like stuff be so much harder sometimes for us in our communities and to watch Will be this person with the most pure intentions but just uh, arguably immature and growing to learn how to deal with life circumstances while still trying to hold on to his identity in a place that felt foreign to him but was made to be beneficial to him and his well-being you know we got to watch him grow from like the very beginning of of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where he comes in and he's dancing and beatboxing and shit with Ashley and playing the drums and dancing and shit like that you know (laughs) to that very last episode when they turn off them lights and he's like oh don't worry about it I got my own apartment you know and he's lying about having found an apartment because at the end of the day he just wants Uncle Phil to be proud of him I understood when J. Cole was like first things first rest in peace Uncle Phil for real you the only father that I ever knew I get my bitch pregnant I'm gonna be a better you you know like and I had a father (laughs) but I just get it I understood what that represented the same way that I understood what Uncle Bernie represented the same way that I understand how so many of these television figures for us it's so important and so often these shows just got canceled or pushed to the wayside even like girlfriends i girlfriends was one of my favorite shows growing up i mean obviously if you're listening this far you've probably heard the episode that i made one of the girls and i i i think i just heavily identify with shows like girlfriends you know even though i was a straight black man <laughs> it was like seeing the dynamic of how 
these single women in LA were navigating dating lives and professional lives and relationships with each other and just everyday friendship issues you know and always coming back together you know living in love and light and unity and shit it's special it's special to be able to see those kinds of things in a way that feels specific to your community and um I don't know I think those experiences in television like television was almost like my babysitter growing up if I'm being honest about it that's not to say that my parents weren't active my parents were very active but my parents also worked you know my parents definitely were busy most of the times and uh you know my brother's we would hang out and watch certain stuff together. They were into different things. Like my my bro- oldest brother was always out and about. He was like never home. He's at the basketball court or doing something or whatever the case may be. My middle brother loved video games. To this day, he's still he's a streamer. So I should have known that was coming. You know, he he loves video games. He really does. That's what he was into. And you know, he watch a little bit of TV, but not really. It's not we like we was gonna watch the same things. But I just loved like television. I could sit there and watch a show for three, four hours down to cartoons and stuff like that, you know, like, but (laughs) I mean, as I really started to break out of like the Nickelodeon and stuff like that as a kid and get a little older and I was watching things that I felt like directly molded my views of myself and my community and like identity, you know. I, I used to love you know I, there's a time when we didn't have streaming obviously uh <laughs> which is crazy to think about now because you used to have to just wait to catch a marathon but most of the stuff was syndicated so I loved seeing syndicated back-to-back rerun episodes of shit like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or Martin I remember Martin was on like TV one at one point and we had all the channels you know it's tv one it was uh was it tv one i know we had bet and then there was another one's like soul something oh why am i drawing a blank tv one bet i know vh1 soul was more like music but it's something soul something we had like centric 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 and these were the cable channels that you know you could depend on to play your black syndicated stuff that was no longer in rotation prior to when it was live we was getting shit on like upn and wb which wb changed and upn changed and uh you know became essentially less black (laughs) but they they catered to our types of shows at one point you know what i'm saying and it was cool it's like we knew that was the black channel (laughs) growing up as far as I remember and um I feel like I just remember this being a transition into like being a what you would call a tween you know a teenager I wasn't necessarily a a full teenager I wasn't you know 14 15 anything like that but somewhere between like ages like 9 through 14 which doesn't seem like a big time but it's pivotal it's a lot of things that you're going through at that time period you know at some point 
in my childhood I don't think cartoons resonated with me the same way like I, I used to love watching Spongebob I, I feel like I was a Nickelodeon kid and that's going to be in a different episode I literally took a poll to see which one I should do tonight Nickelodeon kid or or about black cinema but it's funny because I could do a whole episode about being a Nickelodeon kid but at some point it doesn't resonate with you anymore you know it's like you've seen all the Spongebob you can watch and the Rugrats and Hey Arnold's and whatever's and sure they're interesting stories but they feel a little animated a little cartoonish because they are (laughs) and you see something that resonates with your life experiences a little more because it's people who look like you and dealing with scenarios that look familiar to you and for me that was these shows these these sitcoms these black sitcoms and I understood the jokes it wasn't like I was too young to understand it. I was starting to understand the world around me and I guess from if I'm thinking about things like age 9 to 14 shit man I, at 9 what was I in 3rd or 4th grade or something like that and that's around the time that I I was about to get sent to private school you know I think 9 is when we first moved to New Carrollton probably the first time I started liking girls you know or having some sort of a feeling even if nobody else knew it internally I knew I had a little crush so that was like important to me you know like oh here's somebody else that I can see experiencing these feelings and how they're dealing with it. You could watch something like One on One and Kyla Pratt is dealing with having a crush and articulating those feelings and stuff and parents telling them not to move too fast, take your time, this and that, blah, blah, blah. and Or like liking your friends and whatever. And this is weird because you're my friend and maybe you were my friend because I liked you, not because you were my friend or Maybe the friend felt neglected because, you know, you like the popular guy and we can relate to that. If you're not really talking about these kind of things to your parents and you're not really talking about them to your friends either, because for me, I was always kind of like a I don't want to say a recluse, but I just switched schools so much. And only person I really could talk to was my cousin Rashid. And we didn't talk about stuff like that. We talked about video games, you know. So TV was like your outlet. You start to make sense of the world a little more in that kind of way, you know? And um, I feel like when it comes down to it, this made the movie watching experience so much more uh, fulfilling to me. And I, I think it's primarily because of the fact that, you know, like with a, a TV show, sure, every... Well, depending on the way that the the formatting is, every episode could be a completely different story in itself, you know? You understand the characters, and that's cool, and you grow with the character, but it takes time to really go through it. But, like, a movie, you sit and grow with a character over the course of, like, a two-hour span. You're going to be way more invested. It's not like you're taking a break in between from week to week 
to feel something and then come down and then feel something again and come down. No, it's two hours of full-on growth and relevance, <laughs> you know? And um, I don't know. I, I just... I know when it came to certain movies, I just really, really, really resonated, you know? I feel like, obviously, most of the movies that I loved the most were black cinematic movies, but I remember some of my first movie-watching experiences that really resonated with me and just made me emotional and, like, introspective were, like, baby geniuses. And like uh, You know The Little Rascals <laughs> And the Rugrats movie You know These were things that I remember going to The movie theaters With my grandmother To go see If I'm not mistaken It must have been my grandmother Because it was always like A big outing It was like Oh we're going to go to the movies And usually it was me And my brother And my cousin Rashid And my cousin Nicole and Nicole was like my brother's age you know my middle brother's age and Rashid was like my age and it was like a whole thing but like I just remember like baby geniuses I thought was so good because of the fact that like these were things that I believe I I thought like you know babies have their own language they can talk they be communicating they probably smart as hell you know and it actually plays into like my belief about reincarnation and shit like that to some extent so um I just remember the way that they visualized that I was just like you know little kid version of me like ah oh, cinematic masterpiece like <laughs> the writing was so good I 10 out of 10 would recommend to a friend you have to go see this movie you know and then goddamn uh <laughs> like the Rugrats movie was probably the first movie I remember going to see and getting like emotional and I remember I was getting all sad and shit and I looked over at my cousin Nicole and she was crying and I remember thinking to myself like oh my god I feel like I have to cry but I'm looking at her trying to figure out why is she crying and then all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself even though I'm not crying yet like why do I want to cry like because <laughs> it was just so like it was just sad in certain moments, you know? Like, the way they really tried to put Dill out there, like, he was a bitch-ass bitch. Like, he just was born. He didn't ask to be here, nigga. You know what I'm saying? It was, and, and Tommy was holding it down, like, I'm really big bro out here, nigga. Like, it's really nothing. It's really nothing. I'm never going to switch up on That's my bro. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and we always felt so much like love for Chucky because Chucky was a scaredy cat and we didn't want to see him fail and when Phil and Lil was kind of like yo we out and Chucky went with them and shit and left Tommy it was like oh no Chucky you bitch ass bitch no this is Tommy and it was just Tommy and Dylan Tommy didn't even want to like he's like you know why the fuck were you bored I wish you was never born but at the same time, he knew he didn't mean that. That's a little bro. And he, he held it down. I was just like, oh, my God, he's having to make character decisions. I love this shit. <laughs> and these are my things, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I was really a Nickelodeon kid, for real, no bullshit. But, uh, and like I said, I'm, I'm going to elaborate on that more in a, a, a different episode. But, uh. You know, I just understood character development 
in a way that felt so impactful and I was just like damn probably because I could understand the feeling of just wanting to be accepted by my older brother who was kind of growing distant to me because he wanted to hang with his friends and all this other stuff. He felt like I was like a tag along back then, you know, and I think that probably hurt my feelings a lot. But here it was somebody articulating to some extent, like my feelings in movie form as a cartoon, you know, and I'm like, damn, this shit deep life is hard for a motherfucking eight year old. (laughs) (laughs) and it's funny because like so you know transitioning out of those types of movies you know little pg rated movies and everything like that i I, i'm not gonna lie i I started getting into older stuff faster not so much by choice but just because you know it's like the strong survive i was the youngest in the house my oldest brother was 11 years older than me middle brother was three years older than me they had like more in common than i had with them for the most part um, probably because my middle brother wanted to be older and wanted to be like my older brother, my oldest brother to some extent when we were younger. And, uh, you know, so I remember they used to watch stuff like 106 and Park and, you know, actual shit like, you know, those, some of those sitcoms I, I, I was talking about, like the Parkers and Moesha and uh, Sister Sister or whatever the case may be. And J.B. Fox show and... uh <laughs> the Wayne's brothers, I forgot to even mention that shit. That used to be my shit. We're brothers. We're happy and we're singing and we're colored. Doody doody. Give me a high five. <laughs> it was really my shit. I know all of these theme songs too. I wouldn't go through and start singing all these theme songs for no reason. That would just be I mean, sense of nostalgia, yeah, that's fun, but I'm not about to waste time on the podcast talking to all these theme songs man we know we know we love these goddamn theme songs but when you hear them the certain ones when you hear it you you already know and you start to get that feeling you be like oh my god this just took me back it just took me back you know but because they was watching shit like that like i remember my oldest brother watching shit like lethal weapon and south park and whatever the fuck movies and shit like that that I probably wasn't supposed to be watching as a little kid but it's like I'm in charge of the TV right now so you gonna watch whatever's on and then I just started liking other movies that related more too like when my mother would be watching certain stuff it's not like my parents tried to tell me like oh you too young to watch this you need to I used to I, I think I mentioned in my episode 3 Adventure Time or whatever talking about like you know sneaking up into my parents room and middle of the night and they'd have hbo on and shit like that and i wasn't necessarily catching the porn or nothing like that and that would come on off the super late night but random ass adult movies i would just be into i was sitting there watching <laughs> radar movies so like i think knowing my logical tour itself i probably negotiated some shit like i already seen adult movies or whatever you know like i've already seen rated r movies but they were more comfortable with me watching that type of stuff with them i think than just on my own and um i think that's how i was introduced to some of these things i didn't really watch a lot of like rated r movies with my dad i i did more like out of the house stuff with my dad uh i would you know we we played football so he would 
take us to football practice like every day or whatever or whether whatever the sport was if it was basketball or track all year round we was doing some sort of sports and he was the one who was taking us and he also would be the one who dropped us off and picked us up from school for the most part usually so I think I felt like I had a lot more outings with my dad I always wanted to tag along he'd be like I'm about to go somewhere I'm like can I come and I would just go hop in the car and go but I never wanted to disappoint my parents. I always wanted my parents to feel like they had equal time with me. Um, because even though they weren't necessarily divorced yet, it always felt like I had to choose. And I think I felt this kind of inherent responsibility to like make sure I was spending quality time. So me and my mother's quality time was watching DVDs. You know, that was our thing. Like I would just lay in bed with her all day and just watch movies. You want to watch a movie? It's like, okay. And that's what we would do. It is ironic too that uh I this thought just came to me just now, but uh you know how they say you date your mother or you date your father indirectly. And one of the primary things that I do with people who I date now is sit in the house and watch movies. It's a part of like my love language. And I think it's hella ironic because I never put two and two together until right fucking now (laughs) but that is the purpose of this podcast you know reminiscing on things and realizing how you got to where you are and yeah that's one of the original ways that I processed and identified love is like spending quality time and I would just sit in bed with my mother and we would watch movies. She had the perfect DVD collection. She still has it. I always say, uh, you know, when my mother goes, God forbid, you know, my brothers can have whatever they want. I'm not going to fight for nothing materialistic, but I want that DVD collection. Don't play with me. That's mine. <laughs> Every fucking DVD that's mine. Cause I'm the only one who really cares. Like I, I will really watch these DVDs with my mother and I would have fun watching the deleted scenes and I would watch the making ofs and I would go back and I would watch the director's commentary. This stuff came down the line. At first it was just watching the movies, you know. And we loved watching movies like we would just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh together for the longest time like watching stuff like baby boy you know <laughs> and the niggas in there doing the, the the hair and shit while jody's selling the dresses you know jody's walking up on people like yeah you know this look good on you girl oh you just gonna blow away it's that polyester brim you just go you know like <laughs> doing all this sexy talking shit like that it is shorty asking how much and you say i can let it go for about 40 and then the gay nigga in the chair said, $40. <laughs> like, these are classic moments in my childhood that will never fucking live. I cannot hear $40 anywhere. If I go into a goddamn H&M and I buy something, they say, that'll be $40. I promise you, my natural fucking like reaction is gonna be forty dollars 
and it brings me so much joy it brings me so much joy to have so many quotables from so many movies because they just remind me of good times just like with my mother you know I loved watching Breaking All the Rules with my mother, you know, and watching <laughs> the the white dude trying to break up <laughs> with the gold digger woman. He was sulking and he's squeezing his face together. It looks like he just ate a lemon and I don't know. We just or like uh, fucking uh, what's the joint? Uh, not Eve's Bayou or is that Eve's Bayou? Not deliver us Waiting to exhale There we go Get your shit Get your shit And get out <laughs> That might be a moment For most people But What I remember From waiting to exhale Was The nigga having sex And he was like Grr <laughs> And my mother used to Always die at that part So Grr Grr Huh Like what the hell is grr like <laughs> oh no i think it's just like it goes deeper than movies we used to watch you know fucking uh american idol and all that other type of stuff too but i don't know it, it's it's like the movie aspect of it this was my introduction to watching black movies and I feel like the ones that I loved the most always had to do with love you know I mean don't get me wrong we we watched like warriors you know like that was me and my mother's favorite warriors come out to play it was like exciting it was New York and it was something from her time period it made me feel like like time travel you know Looking at motherfucking Osiris sitting up there talking about, can you dig it? <sighs> you know, like, <laughs> that was a bad boy, and that was shit that she was watching coming up, and that was kind of tight, you know what I'm saying? Or Cooley High, just, it always made me think of, like, wow, this is probably what my parents was like growing up. This is how they moved. This is how they walked. This is how they talked. This is how they party. This is what day street shit look like, you know? Um, and Beat Street. Like, Beat Street was a classic. First, like, real hip-hop movie. Commercial hip-hop movie that was done. And it was just fun to, like... Because my mother was a hip-hop head. My father was more into, like, R&B type shit. So it was more, you know... Didn't I blow your mind this time? Didn't I? <laughs> but my mother was more like, you know, a hip hop, a hippie, a hippie to the hip hip hop, and you don't stop. And Beat Street was just like the culmination of that. It was dope to like watch hip hop culture unfolding in front of me, you know? And from things like that, you need variation. So, like, Watching something like Cooley High and then watching something like Dead Presidents is dope because it's a similar time period in terms of what's being referenced. But like the aesthetic of it is so much better captured in the 90s through something like that. When you got Lorenz Tate and, you know, Bokeem Woodbine and all in Chris Tucker and 
you know, better cameras and production quality and shit. And it was still real scenarios that was relevant to the black experience. Being a war vet and like the government not having your back and holding you down and knowing like everything that this nigga gave up, you know, feeling emasculated and and unable to take care of his family. Like, I mean, since I was a kid, I could identify with shit like that. Like as a black man in America and understanding the history of slavery and, you know, police brutality and and racism as a whole like you you're born to feel emasculated from the time that you're a kid everything that you look at and you think is like being a man and feeling like a man is it's counterbalanced by somebody telling you you're less than if you're black at least you know but the representation we got through so many black cinema hits of the 90s and shit like that it was different you could watch something like the wood and i don't think any of these niggas had fathers in the wood yeah i don't think any of them even had fathers from what we could see but it still felt good like looking at stacy the blood you know what i'm saying like and he was taking care of his little sister even though he was a hood nigga and he was kind of looking out and it was like you know yeah you good like you really like her huh like well i'm gonna tell you what when that luther vandross song comes on i want you to save a dance just for her you know like father type shit is still good representation it's like these men loving their women and, and 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 protecting and wanting to be there you know the nigga being afraid to get married to give it all up but not because he's afraid but because he just wants to be good enough you know that's special that's special same thing with poetic justice just seeing the growth of a character like a tupac and seeing the softer side of tupac especially because we knew him from movies and 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 music and shit like juice you know it's like damn like this is the character who epitomizes who we know as the artist and and it looks like they're growing and we can identify with that and that was just dope you know what i'm saying and i think seeing these things because they feel so realistic and shit like guess who was just such a special movie to me too uh not for the interracial aspect but just because the vulnerability of it all is just like wanting to make a good impression on your future father-in-law any man can relate to that you know only one that didn't get me was loving basketball that joint i never liked loving basketball <laughs> and i know some people gonna be bad at that and i always have this debate with my friends i used to have a loving basketball poster in my crib and that was my ex's choice that wasn't mine that shit not even in here no more i literally gave it away to one of my friends um not because i'm trying to necessary like erase my ex's presence or nothing like that it just it was legitimately not a good love movie let's talk about it like legitimately it's not a good love movie this nigga quincy never once put her first they never made each other choose between basketball and each other but in the one instance when she had to choose he punished her for it 
That's crazy. He punished her. He punished her. And and made her eat it. And then on top of that, when she's at the peak of her career and he's at the lowest, even though he's never put her first or anything like that, then she comes back and she's on some shit like, you know, well, I want to love you and play you for my heart. And he's like, yeah, might as well. <laughs> and he beats her ass. <laughs> and then in the very end says, eh, double or nothing. Might as well. I guess. I'm bored. And then gets her pregnant at the peak of her career. <laughs> Some people say, well, at the very end, you know, well, she, he was on the sidelines with the baby and she was still playing again. But Jordan wasn't the same with the Wizards as he was with the Bulls. Let's be honest. Come on, man. He ruined that girl's life. It's a terrible movie. Terrible love movie. <laughs> I know I'm going to lose some people fucking with me. It's all good. It's just my opinion. But, you know, and I had a friend, too, who quoted every line from that movie. It used to annoy the shit out of me. My old best friend. You couldn't watch Love and Basketball without her saying every single line. It was so toxic. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Soul Food and Hitch and goddamn all these different things, man. They, they, I think they helped mold my perspective on love because I was seeing my parents' relationship. And as much as I saw, like, I think if I'm being honest with myself right now, right, and being vulnerable, and I, I try to make vulnerability my superpower, especially through these recordings, you know, if I'm being completely real with it, I never thought of my parents' relationship as like a relationship. I never saw these niggas kiss, ever. Like once, once, one time, one time I saw them kiss. And my brother Rob, my middle brother, was with me too. And we both looked at each other like, what the fuck? Like, yo, the fuck is going on? Did they just kiss? Like it was on some like, and it was like a peck too at that. It was like some like, all right, I'll see you later. Love you. They used to always tell tell each other, love each other. They love you, love you too. But it was like from a, the other room. It's like, all right, I'm going to work. All right, love you, love you too. Never saw them hold hands Never saw them kiss Never saw a slap on the butt Never saw affection So when they kissed I think I was probably a freshman in high school And me and my brother were flabber fucking gassed he was like, What the fuck was that? Because I think at that point We knew they was out the door anyway Like that, that shit was about to end So he was confused like so confused but I say all that to say with the understanding that I looked at my parents relationship more like a a business partnership than anything probably I think it was probably a part of me that was yearning for some sort of representation with love and like wanting to see love wanting to see partnership and affection and vulnerability and I think I mentioned both of my parents are Tauruses as well and that's why the nurture versus nature thing is so real with me because nobody ever assumes I'm a Taurus because I go very opposite of what I've seen in both of my Taurus 
parents being touristy as hell but they Taurus Tauruses and they you know are prideful and stubborn and not vulnerable from what I could tell as a kid so in that I really think you know because movies pull on your emotional heartstrings and require you to become vulnerable I think it, it just probably felt so special to see real love coming about but the thing about it is these weren't real love stories these were movies they're fabricated they're written by creative geniuses and people who have a lot of time on their hands to write and rewrite and fix and change circumstances and adjust and think about what's most compelling that's not really how life is you get one real chance to make a first impression you get about two maybe three strikes if you're lucky with mistakes in relationships you can't control which mistakes you make. I mean, you can, but I mean, you make what you make based off of where you are and your development and your level of maturity. It's not like you perfectly make a mistake, make another mistake, and then get it together and become the perfect man because you learn from those mistakes like you do in the movies. It's it's not like that. It's it's baked into your personality. You know, I talk a lot of times with my homegirls about this concept of like, if he wanted to, he would. So like, when it comes down to it it's not gonna be like the movies a nigga not just gonna wake up and be like you know what i've made this mistake twice and i've seen how much i've hurt you i'm gonna be the perfect man ever now it's like nah that nigga <laughs> he gonna do what he gonna do either a match or it don't you know and vice versa so i wonder as i'm thinking out loud right now how did my perception of love dynamics and friendship dynamics and relationships to identity really like you know become impacted by the influences of these movies that i watched and i mean watched continually it wasn't like i watch these bitches one time we didn't have no motherfucking netflix or hulu or nothing like that it was like either it came on tv or you popped in the dvd and i was popping in that dvd like every weekend on a lot of these movies i had a plenty to choose between but you know it don't give me i mean just because of the black movies were my preferences like i still love shit like the matrix and inception and big fish and you know, just recently, uh, as I gotten older, I discovered shit like Eat, Pray, Love, and 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 Troy, and Three Hundred, and you know, Super Bad, and I mean, just all different types of shit. But the ones that I was watching first that had the biggest impact were the black ones, and that is why when I look around my home, I have posters of shit like, you know brown sugar boys in the hood uh belly higher learning uh set it off dave Chappelle's block party etc 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 you know it's a reminder of the roots where i come from but 
Specifically when it comes to things like love, you know I'm gonna keep it funky I I met somebody who I really like, you know And it's very fast That everything is kind of unfolding And I'm pretty private about shit nowadays Especially because anybody who knows me Or if you've been listening to this podcast for a while You know how public my last situation was um, Not necessarily completely by choice But also I didn't fight against it So nobody to blame but myself, right? And I don't care so much about the idea of embarrassment Or like looking like, you know, something failed But it's just I don't want everybody in my business like that <laughs> You don't need to know what the fuck I'm doing for real For not in a level of like The point that you feel like you're allowed to have an opinion On how I operate or anything You know, it's just not the space, you know It's like, that's that's my business but I say all this to say that I, I, I did recently meet somebody in the most unorthodox of places anyway, somewhere I've never thought I would meet somebody technically in work, you know. I have real strict rules about that. Um and it's funny because I I feel like I've caught myself right back on sweet boy mode where I'm like the biggest hopeless romantic ever. You know, I've always been that way. And, and and shout out to my old best friend, even though we're not cool anymore. But I, I, I still always will love her and respect her for the things that we shared and, and, and memories that we've created and the outlooks that we agree on. And one of those things is that it's not being a hopeless romantic because a hopeless romantic is hopeless. But instead, just a romantic. I love romance And I and it, I didn't learn it from a damn household That's for sure <laughs> You know it, it came from these movies It came from shit like Martin And the Bernie Mac show And you know whatever Like It came from seeing people Put it all on the line For love And things like Hitch Or guess who It came from watching a nigga sprinting down the goddamn <laughs> train station and breaking all the rules or deliver us from Eva, a nigga pulling up on a horse outside of a job. And I'm a sappy ass nigga. I just am now. You know, it's no escaping it. It just it, it's who I am. The only difference is I think I've watched in movies as all of these people wait until the very last minute when they're about to lose it all to put in the effort. And because I'm a logical Taurus <laughs> and a passionate, loving Taurus, I've decided to counteract that by saying, shit, I'd rather put in the work early. I'd rather really show, like, if I feel something, I'm going to show how I feel and I'm going to wear it on my sleeve early. I want somebody to feel appreciated. And I wonder how much that works to my benefit or detriment. Because just like anything else, this isn't a movie. This is real life. You know? I've had a lot of situations where 
people liked me and I think maybe they liked the idea of me more than me and I think it's, it's, it's interesting because when it comes down to it I didn't have as much discernment about how much I would do for someone based off of how I actually felt about them like I've had relationships in the past where I would go all out and do these big loving gesture ass things and it wasn't backed by affection necessarily you know I mean don't get me wrong my first real relationship in high school (laughs) I for that Christmas I, I literally did the box and a box and a box and a box big ass box all the way down to the jewelry box you know and that was the first time I ever felt like I loved somebody and we weren't having sex or anything like that because we're 15 and we weren't really into no real 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 love shit but I still just knew this is how you express love through a big gesture you know with one of my exes my first real relationship you know more than like the puppy love type shit or whatever like that I remember it was like Valentine's Day and I took a bus up to New York and I went out there with this big ass card (laughs) and I printed out a picture with her face on it and I said have you seen this girl and I waited until you know she pulled up and I took a Polaroid picture of her and popped confetti over her head and said would you be my Valentine you know (laughs) and it was like a big romantic gesture it was like a whole thing you know and at that time I'm pretty sure we was in good space. I'm not going to sit here and fake like, oh, we wasn't cool. But the butterflies had definitely faded. And it was still just like, but big romantic gesture, you know. And then just this past Valentine's Day, uh, you know, I had a someone I was talking to who had never experienced a Valentine's Day ever. And... I just felt like regardless of where it go, I did really like this girl, but regardless of where it was going to go, I was like, you need to know what it feels like to have somebody put it all out there because Valentine's day is your favorite holiday and you've never had a Valentine. So I just did the most. I went ham. I had like made it a big gesture and did a bunch of sweet boy shit for her and her daughter, you know? And even to this day, you know, we don't talk no more. And I understood why. And, you know, it was a whole thing. Like, we, we, we communicated for the most part. And um, I, I never felt like she owed me anything. I never felt like I wasted my time. I never felt like it was like, a, oh, you know, damn, I did all that for nothing. And now we're not even, you know, it was just like, I like the big romantic gesture thing but I think I had to realize over the course of this past year more recently like you have to be willing to do or I I, not you but me I have to be willing to be real with myself about who is deserving of that kind of energy right and and to some extent it's like you gotta earn that 
you know I think even my smallest romantic gestures are pretty big in other people's eyes because niggas just don't be doing that type shit but it can be detrimental if it's a situation where you know some people could look and say you doing a lot you know or like I said sometimes people be telling me they scared People I've actually had real connections with And hanging out with and everything like that And they kind of like I'm scared To fuck with somebody like you Because I feel like you gonna stab me in the heart And I'm like what the fuck <laughs> Where the fuck did that come from <laughs> And it real life be because they just like Niggas don't move like you And They just don't be with the shits they be afraid to like make themselves vulnerable and actually believe that this is really how I am and as a result end up finding out that I'm just a cheating ass nigga or a bullshitting ass nigga who made them become vulnerable for no reason just to hurt them and rather than experiencing what could be the real thing the real romantic ass nigga it's like I'd rather just remain friends so I don't have to risk getting hurt and I'm like, you do realize I'm not rushing you to shit. I'm not trying to rush to be nobody's partner or in a relationship or anything. Like, take your motherfucking time and do whatever we got to do. But I do believe in being transparent with one's intentions. I've said it in past episodes and I'll say it again. This whole past year and a half has been about being intentional intentions not attention so even if it's not the largest hugest romantic gesture I can be mindful of my making my intentions clear and making some sort of gesture so that you know that I'm serious about your time and getting to know you as a friend and developing things organically and really being on that type of time with you if that's what we interested in and I think even just that little bit of intentionality it um, scares people and then the byproduct of that is something that I probably don't talk about as often but it fucks with my confidence you know because it only makes you look in the mirror and say well then what's wrong with me if I don't like to play the games right if I don't want to do the whole I really like you but let me pretend I don't like you as much as I actually like you so that you don't think that I like you so that you'll like me more and then we can actually get to where we're trying to get to because there's no fear what that's confusing as fuck I'ma just tell you the truth I like you nigga or I like what I know about you and then we can see if that stays consistent as we get to know each other and if not there's no love lost we could be cool we could be friends it's not that deep People make shit so deep. <laughs> and that should be trash. And uh, I think when you go through those type of things enough times, you start to get a little bit discouraged. And it does put you in a position to say, yeah, I'm not really focused on women like that. I'm going to focus on this school shit, focus on getting my money, focus on being out the way. You know, and then comes a moment like this where, like I said, just keeping it funky, 
you meet somebody in a very unorthodox circumstance and you kind of like oh shit what the hell are these feelings where did this come from (laughs) I wasn't looking for shit I, I was on hiatus right now I was out the way I was very out the way Oh Lord <laughs> And then making sure that I don't Become the same people That I've Encountered in passing That I don't end up Self-sabotaging or running away For the sake of You know Oh well This is how it's been And you don't just, like I'm not playing the games man So I don't know I I, I guess I'm trying to find a balance between embracing who I am naturally, who I've become, maybe by way of the influence of a lot of these romantic, black, beautiful movies of the 90s and early 2000s that I love, you know, in a perfect world, if somebody's deserving of it, somebody's deserving of my vulnerability and dedication and loyalty and honesty and openness then yeah I want to make their life feel like a motherfucking movie I want to be the inspiration for those type of things because I was inspired I want to give back more inspiration yeah let's be that let's be that love story let's be that beautiful ass black ass love story but at the same time I just don't got no more chase in me you know I just you can't create something out of nothing I don't think I've ever tried to create something out of nothing I think there was always a foundation but um, here I am feeling shit that I haven't felt in a long ass time and it makes me want to do all of those same big romantic gestures all over again it's a little bit nerve wracking <laughs> So try not to run away from it. I try to be very smart, very patient, stick my toe in the water. Don't go seeking, but don't go running either. And um, fuck it. The rest of it's on God. Like whatever's going to happen, going to happen. But she. I guess in thinking about this shit, it's kind of like maybe this shit wasn't bad for me. Maybe the shit didn't give me an unrealistic view I think it's important to have hope. I think it's important to believe in something. You know? It's important to believe that Prince Charming exists or this perfect love, you know, this perfect, beautiful partnership that seems too good to be true is out there like it is in the movies because it keeps your intentions pure. And it keeps you on your toes and it keeps you motivated. It keeps you ambitious. I think at the moment that I give up on shit like that, shit, if I think my confidence can hit low now, imagine how much worse my confidence would be. That's them niggas who get their heart broke in the eighth grade and they've been hurting bitches for the next 20 years after that, (laughs) you know. I don't want to be that nigga That nigga's not confident at all He has very small dick energy I'm never going to be that 
insecure as hell, mad as fuck. You went on a lunch with a coworker. <laughs> I can't be that. I can't do that. You know what I'm saying? I I want to believe that something more exists, and I I, I want to make movies that allow others to believe as well. And that's the hard part because I haven't been able to write any type of romantic comedies. I'm great at writing drama. I'm great at writing things that are rooted in overcoming traumatic experiences or exploration or just creating representation for black people in ways that we don't see on screen all the time. This is one of my like strong points as a writer. And I just recently really fell in love with writing since I've been at school. And I've gotten a lot of good feedback from my peers and mentors about my style and the impact of the work that I create and what it can really be if I can get it developed. But I haven't been able to tap into that love market. And I don't know if it's because of, you know, past experiences with relationships and maybe it feeling a little fresh in certain moments or. Maybe because I've gone through the process of healing and I'm like, I don't want to open back up no wounds that I feel like I've healed. I don't know, but I haven't been able to really write into it. And I guess maybe what I want to manifest going forward is that I can go back and have a real teenage like love affair again, you know. It's something I've actually manifested with my best friend, Ayeen, for a while now. We were talking, laughing about this. I said, I told her, I said, man, I just want to love again. Like, and not just love, like trying to find a, a, a love that feels nice and, you know, like a good partner to settle down with and have children. Like, nah, nigga, like, I want to be intrigued by somebody again and have those butterflies and just be thinking about what that person's doing and you know goddamn wanting to know everything about that person like like high school type shit and it's funny because (laughs) i'm realizing that i was trying to manifest that with her maybe just a couple months ago and here i am right now and this person who i'm talking about low-key i kind of feel those same kind of feelings so irony Everything comes full circle, you know. I'm not writing it in stone. I'm not doing the most. I'm just like, yo, we just going to wait and see. But sweet boy back. <laughs> and I think it, it 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 really stems from these movies, man. It really stems from the impact of these black romantic comedies of the 90s and 2000s. And I I hope we get to see so many more. I want to be the rebirth of that if I can get there, you know. We've had the Queen and Slims and you know I wasn't really big on that and there's a movie on Netflix right now called Really Love and it's rooted in DC and everything and that's exciting and I fell asleep on it the other night. I, they had a man Kofi on there just Staring and whispering the whole time, just trying to look sexy, and it looked very awkward. (laughs) 
And I'm hoping it's not as bad as what it looked like while I was falling asleep on it. And maybe it's actually good, but I just know it didn't jump out at me like I wish it did. You know, the photograph with Issa Rae and Lakeith Stanfield just felt very awkward. It didn't feel organic. I want to make some real good love stories again, man. We need it. We really need it. And that's no knock to any of the shit, you know, that other people are doing. Because I know filmmaking is hard. Storytelling is hard. But I need some shit that's going to sweep me off my feet. I need to make some shit that's going to make a nigga want to buy a poster. You know? That's what I want to get to. And uh, who knows? Maybe the situation I'm referencing will be a little bit of inspiration for that. Maybe it'll be refreshing. Maybe it'll spark that creative writer's spark that I need. Or maybe it'll be another experience in the in the boat. <laughs> All I know is I'm not taking the influences that I've gotten up until this point as negative. I think they're highly positive. And I think they're really good for my confidence. I think they're they're the things that make me feel like a man. Like a real man who wants to protect and love and care for his woman and his family and be the best type of man that I can be. No disrespect to my father, but I didn't really see that same kind of ambition in my household. So without the movies, how would I have had that? Just because I've had love that didn't work out, I couldn't say that those was negative experiences. I couldn't say that they force me to put it all on the line and to feel stupid that would be bullshit I think they taught me how to go after what I want and be willing to risk it all and knowing that shit if I fail at least I know I tried you know but I love this shit I really do this is a good episode god damn I'm feeling all interesting inside. <laughs> I'm going to catch y'all next time, man. We're going to shut it down. It's back in the days. You already know what it is. And true love never has to hide. True love never has to hide. Trade your broken wings for mine. Trade your trying to touch you kiss up and rub up and fill up kiss up and rub up and fill up on you give you some time to prove that i can